Welcome to another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business, where we help organizations make better business decisions. I'm your host, Matt Martella, joined by, as always, Associate Dean of Academic Programs, Phil Powell. And I just want to say, if you're tuning in for the first time, thank you so much for joining us. It's quite an honor to spend this time with each one of you every single week. Now, normally we discuss practical business and leadership tips with the help of either our faculty members or industry experts. However, this week we have a very special treat for you. We are going to do a two-part series featuring CEO and co-founder of Started Up, Don Wetrick. His not-for-profit received recognition from progressive leaders such as Seth Godin, Tim Ferriss, and Gary Vaynerchuk, just to name a few. He also hosts a leadership podcast called The Started Up Podcast, highly recommended, and they're no stranger to Forbes magazine either. Forbes has featured Wetrick numerous times for his progressive style and teaching. Don Wetrick is also a teacher at Noblesville High School where he's disrupting traditional educational learning by letting students decide what they want to learn. Then he empowers them to do so. It is an absolute joy to host Don on the podcast today. You know, here at the Kelly School, our mission is to drive prosperity in Indianapolis and beyond. And the way that you drive prosperity is through innovation, teaching companies how to make themselves obsolete, because if they don't make themselves obsolete, somebody else will. And if you're going to do that in a company, you have to have the right employees and team members that think in terms of innovation. And Don is taking this lesson to the high school level and teaching his students how to drive this kind of process. He uses a term called open-sourced learning. This word summarizes what it means to learn and to be flexible and to respond to your environment in the modern economy where technology is changing so fast and opportunities multiplying. I can't wait to hear Don's story. Let's get to the podcast. This is a class at Noblesville High School called Innovation and Open Source Learning. Um, and it's called that because the first six, seven weeks, it's an innovation course. Like, we literally teach you how to think for yourself, how to reframe problems, um, how to create seekers and peakers, not moaners and groaners. I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, and then the rest of the year, then, is open source learning in the sense that some of the things that you specifically want to learn that I'm not good at, you should build a network and find those people. So if you said, hey, I really want to get into coding Python, I can't do that. But I can sure as heck f help you find people that do know that. And so therefore, they open source their learning. And then they and, and my gosh, I think the biggest benefit is the networking aspect of the class. Um, you know, I don't like it when people bemoan of, well, it's not what you know, it's who you know. OK, let's know people. The big draw for students comes from the open learning environment. Tucked away inside the Noblesville High School Library, a few dozen students collaborate in pods, not desks, working together to find solutions to the ideas they generated. However, getting to that point of passion for these students takes intentional conversations early on. Because if you tell a, a student, hey, go learn something, what? You know, that, that is, and I'm going to call a timeout, because that's the hard part about this class is that when I first started it, I set them free a little bit too soon. Because a lot of times kids will go, oh, finally a class where I can do what I want to do. What do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. 
and and they're so used to being told sit down shut your mouth and work on this that's natural so the freedom thing has to be released a little bit slower um so the curriculum is basically answering the fundamental question of why you're in school and 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 for years it was compliance and i fully admit when i you know when i graduated in 1990 something 1990 something i didn't i didn't go to learn i went to go get a degree because in 1995 if you had a degree you're good that's dead if you don't have skills you're not employable and and that's mortifying to me because I, I i think there's a lot of students that still have because their parents that worked for them oh just go and major in anything it won't matter yes it does matter and and if they don't come out with skills it's hurting so i think what's been resonating and i think two-thirds of the people i had on my show are entrepreneurs they're rule breakers they're let's try this my way that is asking then why are we here why are we in this school well, let's prepare our kids for the future. Okay, what is it about, you know, what's futuristic about some of the things we do? I, I, and by the way, I think traditional education is still has a place. You cannot be innovative if you don't know how to read. You cannot be innovative if you don't know how to communicate. You cannot be innovative if you don't understand and appreciate history or how it's going to repeat itself. So I still love education. But there has to be a time and a space where you are allowed to pursue some of your own autonomous interests and work for something that matters to you. It has to have purpose because that whole BS of why are we doing this? Cause it's on the SAT. Oh God. Like, n- n- like that just doesn't matter in our modern world. We're never going to be smarter than a machine. If it can be automated, it will in the next five years. So what's truly important and what's truly being demanded is that people that are innovative, that, that have creative solutions, because a machine can't do that. And um, I think that's starting to resonate with people. This, and I hate to be fear-based. I really do. I, I'm a positive guy. But I think some of these things that are coming up, this, this train that's moving called machine learning, AI, whatever, um, that's starting to get people to go, maybe there's something different here. The traditional model of education has a student complete a task, receive a grade, then based on your grade average, get a diploma. But Wetrick says it's far more than your grade in his class. It's about doing the things that you said you want to do. One of the hardest things to do in the world is the things that you said that you want to do, right? I told myself I was going to lose 20 pounds this year. It did not happen. Why? Because I didn't have an accountability partner. That reflection process is the way we grade in the sense that if you didn't accomplish those in your reflection, tell me why. Like, like don't, don't give me this flowery, essay-laden, great answer. Like, tell me what you struggled with, because that's how we're, we're going to get through this. And so, therefore, every two weeks, they either give me a podcast, a YouTube uh, post, or a blog. Now, if they're too shy and they want to leave it as private, they can leave it as private. So, I'm like, even if no, you just don't show it to anybody, I will grade you, because a lot of times when you just talk out loud, you start making connections. So, you tell, start telling me what you need to move forward. Secondly, if you if I've gotten to them, they do understand branding. People love that hero's journey. So if all of a sudden you see a kid on YouTube or has their own podcast, they're like, okay, here's what I'm moving towards. I really need to know more about this kind of coding language or I need to know more about this engineerial engineering thing. Then they'll start building an audience and then like adults will reach out and they'll go, here's where you're going wrong. And they start offering help. They start building a network at 17, 18. That is why I reflect and that is how I grade. 
Um, and so it's kind of crazy. I know, and I've actually gone through several different variations of how I grade, but that's the one I've stuck with the longest um, in that they kind of start making their own connections and they tell me how they're going to move forward. I mean, there are some students that still just comply, just to comply like this. And by the way, this class is not for everybody. Like, it's just not. Like, I've, I've noticed that. I mean, there are some people that like, like case in point, there was a really, really nice student who towards the end of the first semester, it looks like she was like, can I talk to you? It looks like she was going to start crying. I'm like, what's, what's wrong? She's like, this is the only B I have. And I go, okay. And she's like, well, I'm just, and there's this long pause. I go, do you want an A? And she didn't know what to say. And I walked over to my computer. I logged in. I go, it's done. Do you have an A? Well, well, now I feel guilty. I said, okay, are you in this class to satisfy me? Or are you in this class to pursue things in your life? And in that answer, she knew that she was in this class to get a good GPA. She's not meant for this class. Nice girl. Oh my gosh, nice girl. But she was still under that old model, and that's and that's fine. Um, then I have some kids. I had one of my most brilliant students. He had a D, and I'm like, could you please turn in your reflections? Oh, I'm not, I'm too busy. Why? He was he was basically freelancing for two tech firms. He was making money. Wetrick, I don't have time for your little silly. I mean, it's, it's good for the other kids, but I'm busy. What do I say? Like, at the end of the semester, I had to look at myself in the mirror and go, this is my best student, and he's, got, he's getting a D. And I apologized to him, and I'm like, I gave you a C because I felt guilty about it. He's like, don't worry about it, man. I don't care about my GPAs. Like, he barely graduated anyway. That C ended up being his best grade. <laughs> and so, you know, learning, he was learning constantly. That other girl, she really hadn't, taken away much for the class other than she was doing all reflections and they're always very measured and she did it as a blog and the grammar was perfect and that's cool and all but actual wanting to be better and do things outside of the school she doesn't want to do and it's his students who push past the mentality of just getting an a who gain the most value in fact those are the students who make a tangible difference in the world we've had some companies launched from the class we've had Probably our biggest story last year, we had two students that connected with a a contact that we know in Ghana, and they raised money to start a school in Ghana. Not to hand over to the Red Cross, but like they went out and left and spent two months in Ghana. Like That's crazy. Um, And then also got to work with people like Scott Harrison. Uh, We've also had, gosh... um, you know, our esports team that has turned into their own business. They now consult for other schools that want to start esports leagues. So they charge now per hour for other schools wanting to start an esports team. Uh, matter of fact, they're working with some people at Atlantic Records. I mean, they're big time now. Like, I'll be asking them for money soon. Um, so, uh, and then, and then, and I, this is shameless. This is terrible of me. But even like my daughter um, having this mindset, I'll never forget this, this pivotal moment. We're in the car driving. I speak here and there. And so one time we had one of those drive bulls in Illinois and Ava and I were in the car and some God awful celebrity gossip minute came on the radio and like who, what Kim said today to Kanye or something stupid. And so all of a sudden, before I could turn the channel, Ava goes, this, this is, this is the problem with my generation and millennials, this right here. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, dad, more Gen Z people take life instructions from what, you know, Ariana Grande said last night, and they don't even know who Tim Ferriss is. 
they don't know who Simon Sinek is. I'm like, you're right. And she's like, swear to God, Gen Z needs better mentors. That's what they need. And then she pauses and she, she had that light in her eyes. She's like, mentors, mentors with a Z, mentors. I should start my own podcast called Mentors. And then I'd have an excuse to like interview all these great leaders that mentors should know. It'd be my excuse to be able to talk to Tim Ferriss. I'm like, that's a really good idea. And then her being my daughter, she goes, and I don't need your help. I'm like, why not? And she's like, I'm not going to write off of your guests. I'm going to find my own. I'm like, okay. Her podcast is amazing. So like, that's shameless because I'm a dad and I just promoted my daughters. But I mean, even that, was, even that moment, like on full display was her new way of thinking. She was not like that a couple months ago. So then how does Wetrick define success for his students? Yeah, that's the hard part. Um, sometimes you, you don't see the success for another six months, eight months, a year. I, I dare say that a lot of times our kids, our students come back and go, oh my gosh, I get it now. And, and that's fine. Like, like some of the measurables are very difficult. And I hate the term soft skills because it makes it sound less than. But some of the soft skill things, some of the network build. Um, when our students are building this great hub of collaborators, you may not see their product, their LLC, for another year or two. But what you do see is them being able to think for themselves, to get out of the groupthink mentality. Um, that is something we truly love um, and that we can also be opportunity seekers. And actually, this, that was what I was talking about earlier, you know, that mindset of seekers and peakers, not moaners and groaners. I think the biggest waste of human potential right now is that people are online looking for something that our president said that offended them or looking for something that Nancy Pelosi said that offended them. Both sides. People will spend God knows how many hours looking to be bothered. Meanwhile, our seekers and peekers, they have this mindset difference of, I'm going to go out and I'm going to seek opportunities. And when they start to congregate with each other, the seekers start, like doers congregate with doers. And then once they're a community, they can peek around the corner. They can see what's next. Uh, you know, we, we've had some students pick out trends two years in advance. Like case in point, we were just walking into this, the building. I showed you our esports center. Two and a half years ago, Two of our students said, we should get into the esports game. It's going to be huge. And daggone if they weren't right. So the seekers and peekers mentality, you do see fairly quickly once you break them out of that matrix. But the hard thing, again, is that sometimes the financial success might not come for another two, three, five years later. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this week. Be sure to come back next week as we continue with part two in this two-part podcast with Don Wetrick, CEO of Started Up and teacher of the innovation and open source learning at Noblesville High School. If you enjoy this podcast and want to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, leave a review. We would greatly appreciate your feedback to bring you the best content we know how. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business, where we help organizations make better business decisions. I'm your host, Matt Martella. We'll see you next week. Hey.